have the young bucks evolved, everybody has a price. But does Mike Tyson, am I the only one that thinks Team Taz is a dumpster fire? Probably not. And how many big money chair shots does it take to win or even retain the TNT title? One, two, never mind. This is the Warzone Wrestling Podcast, and we're talking the April 14th edition of AEW Dynamite. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Warzone. And welcome, everybody, to the Warzone Wrestling Podcast. I am your host. I am the verified Brad. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Pedersen Reports, P-E-D-E-R-S-E-N Reports. You all know how to spell that. I am joined tonight by my friend and special guest, Sobes. Sobes, how the hell are you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing well. And I'll tell you what, I'm ready for the hot tag tonight, brother. I, absolutely, yes. Thank you for stepping in with uh, Damien. I know that furry little guy can be a little, you know, touchy here and there, but, you know, I'm, we're glad to have you. <laughs> I'm ready, man. I'm ready. Absolutely. So, yeah, tonight it, we seem to have the same problem that we had yesterday with uh, NXT. There was not a whole hell of a lot wrong with this. There were a few spots here and there that made you go, hmm, but uh, not that many. Yeah, I agree. I, I look. Just like last night, I was really searching and kind of nitpicking any of my lows. I don't really have any, but just some kind of quirks that I'd like to complain about a little bit. But uh, all in all, for their first unopposed show, I guess, since the night switch, um, AEW delivered yet again. Absolutely. And that's the thing that we're all going to win with uh, this. We're now all going to be able to take the time to sit and enjoy live pro wrestling on both of these nights. And, you know, we're going to be able to see what's happening with everything. And they're all continuing on like their head-to-head competition. And I think this competition is only going to push forward to uh, make a better product for everybody. Yeah, I agree. I just think that the, the writing is going to get better. I feel like the storylines are going to get better. Um, just because just because it's, it's different nights doesn't mean that people still aren't going to compare the ratings wars. Um, I, I really feel like it's still, still going to be a, a, a concern, not a concern, but I feel it's going to be an issue still. People are going to yeah. say, oh, wow, NXT went opposed, but they only got, say, a million and a half. Oh, look, AEW went unopposed and they only got a million and a half. So I feel like we're still going to be in that battle just on different nights. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. I think this week could be a little different just because everybody's feeling a little bit of wrestling fatigue with uh, all the different things going on last week and last weekend with NXT TakeOver Stand Deliver going over two nights, Hall of Fame, WrestleMania, the Raw After Mania, now NXT, now AEW. It just doesn't stop. It has been nonstop wrestling for a solid week and then some change. Agreed. Agreed. I think, what, what is this, your seventh show in, or fifth show in seven days or something like that? Something like that. At, at one point, you know, you lose chat or you lose check of it and, uh, you know, you just keep rolling with it as much as you can. Well, I'm ready. Awesome. So, well, we're going to get into it with my top three. We're starting off hot, just like the show did with the Young Burks or excuse me, the Young Bucks versus Pac and Phoenix. 
the Young Bucks coming out in new gear with Don Callis standing in their corner. Uh, you know, they're saying that it's a new era for the Young Bucks. They're cutting off the frills, the fancy stuff that made them flashy. Uh, they're even doing a little bit more grounded moves instead of the high flying stuff. Uh, you know, what do you think of this match? And uh, tell me what you thought about the overall presentation tonight of the Bucks versus Pac and Phoenix. Well, I got to start off with the promo that they went to initially when AEW started. Um, and it was with the Young Bucks, you know, and they answered some questions. Why did we do what we did? Why did we turn on Moxley, basically? Um, and they said, simple, we chose friendship. Basically, they chose Kenny Omega. They chose the Good Brothers. They chose Don Callis. That's that's their family, right? Yeah. And this is I'm quitting this here. We're no longer a group of friends just throwing up a hand signal. We're the best tag team. We let other people change the narrative and take credit for all the work that we meaning the Young Bucks did. It's time to show the world a new, better version of ourselves. And like you said, they did. Such a great promo. Um, and it really set up um, the presentation, like you said, with no money shot, no money, no money bills coming out. Um, it was just all yep. business coming out with Callus. And like you said, they, they, they had the new gear. Um, one of the things I didn't like, I didn't like the headbands. And I, I know that's so trivial, but mm -hmm. they had them upside down. Like Matt's, he had the beads in his eyes where Nick's was upside down and in his forehead. And, and I think Callis even said at one point, oh, they're going to sell a ton of those uh, headbands. No, they're not. They were awful. Um, yeah. But I did like the setup. And I, I, I thought that, you know, Death Triangle is a great uh, tag team for them. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Pac is fantastic. Um, Phoenix is fantastic. I'm a big fan of Penta as well. So I really like that group. Um I didn't. I, I don't like the fact that you know they challenged for the belt so fast. But granted, Pac's been missing for a couple of weeks. That's where we saw um, the Laredo kid come in and fill in for a little bit. But um, great match to start off the unopposed Wednesday. I guess I wouldn't have really changed anything else um, if that's who you're going to start off with, because Absolutely. it was a it was a title match. So that's to get that's to get the fans rolling, right? Absolutely, and it felt like a big fight, like a pay per view match. Because you had the Bucks coming out doing their thing, but then they also trying to prove that they are actually heels. The way they won this match with uh, ripping off Phoenix's mask before delivering the double super kick for the win. I mean, you don't get much more heel heat than that when you're going up against a luchador and you literally pull his mask off. That is a cardinal sin. Yeah, that was actually one of my highs because if you want to gain instant heat, you rip the mask off and I, I couldn't really see any other way of them winning it without getting interference from the good brothers or, or Kenny Omega. So ripping off the mask, um, ripping off the mask and then just, you know, getting the double super kick to get, I don't want to say a cheat, a, you know, a, a, a breaking the rules or anything like that. It was just kind of disrespectful, but if you're going to get heat and you got to get it quick because that's basically what happened. Um, that's the best way to do it. And I thought it was well done. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And also, there was a beautiful move. Nick Jackson pulled a rebounding destroyer on, uh, I believe it was on Phoenix during this match. And it was just a thing of beauty. Uh, it's a move you don't see often. But when you do see it, every time it takes your breath away a little bit more. Yeah, agreed. And what was actually kind of funny, I actually notated that because uh, in preparing for it, for, for, for the show, um, Phoenix did a um, he did a splash outside the ring, I believe, and he kind of landed right on Nick's left knee. And I'm thinking like, oh, God, here we go, because 
Phoenix is, is he's a small guy, but he's still what close to 200 pounds and yeah. he landed entirely on Nick's left knee. But then, you know, uh, a minute or so later they're in, the, they're back in the ring. And then, um, right after that, it, you know, Nick hits the, hits a destroyer on the outside. So he was fine, but it was kind of scary. I'm thinking, Oh man, here we go. Like just when they're getting their, their heel turn. And now all of a sudden Nick's going to get hurt, but fortunately he didn't. He, he was okay. Absolutely. And then uh, just to jump forward a little bit, you go out and you see uh, the Bucks and Kenny Omega hanging out there with the Good Brothers and Don Callis. And let me find the quote real quick. Uh, Basically, it was uh, Kenny Omega saying, we didn't change. We just got sick of, uh, excuse me, we didn't change. We just got sick of doing what you wanted us to do. We got sick of you wanting us to be just like you, but we're going to be just like us. So basically, they're taking that hard line against the fans and just rolling with it. Uh, you know, that was one thing that I always worried is they would have a very hard time turning heel because everybody knows that the Bucks and Kenny Omega, more so the Bucks, were behind the founding of this movement called AEW. And to get people to hate them for that is going to take a lot of work. And I think they are getting that work in very clearly. Agreed. And the other good thing about that about that promo is Callus at the end he says um, he, they're basically telling us to be surprised again. So that kind of leads me to believe okay, well now you already got um, Omega with the Good Brothers. Now they brought back in the Young Bucks. Obviously they're trying to play off of you know their Bullet Club days. Are they called the Bullet Club? Are they going to be something else? Are they still considered the elite? Are we going to get other Bullet Club members? You know, like say you know, the grills of destiny or, or maybe just Tama on his own. Um, or are we going to get a totally different surprise from their past that we're not really thinking of? That's not affiliated with the bullet club. That's the kind of cool part about this. This is kind of like the NWO type feel from the WCW days where you just don't know who's going to join the faction. But the problem with that is you can't get too big. Exactly. You, you can only go after, or you can only have, so many people in the group. Now I'm not saying the bullet club wasn't, you know, I, I love the bullet club. I'm a big fan. You know that you've known since you've known me really. And we've talked about it. Um, I've been a big bullet club fan. So, and I don't care if they have a hundred members, but that's the original bullet club, not necessarily these guys. So it just, you, you don't want to water down your product before it even begins because pretty soon everybody's in your bullet. Everybody's in your faction or bullet club, whatever they're going to name it. And it's just, you don't want to water that down yet. You know what I mean? So I'm interested in, I'm intrigued. I'm looking forward to it. Who knows? Maybe somebody, I doubt like Jay White, but maybe, who knows, right? Absolutely. Um, but the, the, the sky is the limit when they're bringing in other talents from other wrestling organizations. And this is exactly what they've told us that they were going to do from the very first press conference. This is exactly how they laid it out. It's just taken a little bit longer, whether it was COVID or contract issues or what have you. But they laid out this, this, uh, this map and, and now we're finally on it Absolutely and now that the forbidden Door has been open I mean Anything's possible we saw Kenta That one week uh, you know we could See the gorillas who knows uh, It's very interesting to see And one thing that AEW Is definitely definitely putting out There is they love their factions Which brings me to my next high point We see the pinnacles Dax Hardwood taking on The inner circles Chris Jericho with Mike Tyson as a special enforcer. 
this was a hard-hitting slug that or slugfest from the very beginning. Uh, we got Dax coming in with a chair and Tyson pulling it away. Uh, we've got the bat coming in. Tyson always pulls away. There's just all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, you know, and it really does sort of end with this big melee going on in the around the ring with the inner circle members in the pinnacle. What did you think of this segment? Yeah, I thought it was actually pretty good. Um, I kind of figured that, you know, with them starting off with they first off, they kicked Tully out because um, it was only going to be Cash and, and Sammy for their respective corners. But you knew it was going to be um, wasn't going to take long for the other factions to come out. I mean, I did like the fact that Tyson was, you know, playing it down the middle. He stopped Jericho with the chair. He stopped, um, you know, Cash with the bat, and he actually knocked out, you know, Cash. So I thought that was pretty cool. But I, I, I'm, I was kind of dumbfounded a little bit at why they started out with, um, why they started out with Dax instead of say somebody like, um, I don't know, Sean Spears against sure. Jericho. Uh, I didn't really quite understand that. Um, I, you know, Dax is, is obviously is a is a tag guy, so is Cash clearly. Um, Sean Spears is is normally the, um, you know, the, the singles competitor. Yeah, he tried to find a tag match, you know, or tag partner whenever he first came in with Tully, but I didn't quite understand that. Maybe we'll in the next couple of weeks, you know, we'll see exactly why. Uh, we'll see more into this reasoning why they did that. But I was kind of thrown off by it. But it was a fun match, though, nevertheless. Well, wasn't Jericho the one that busted his head open and made so he had to get the 10 stitches? He it did, could have and, he, been, and he did allude to that tonight. You're right. You're right. Yeah, that could have been the uh, the reasoning behind this match, which would make perfect sense because these two went at it slugging left and right uh, straight out the gate. I thought it was a really cool way to sort of put these two factions face-to-face. Jericho putting on the Lion Tamer for our final segment of this match. Uh, when Wheeler gets involved and breaks it up before getting jumped by Sammy Guevara, uh, Jericho hits a co-breaker, Pinnacle comes to the ring, Inner Circle fights him off, and uh, Cash Wheeler gets a bat to go after Jericho, but Tyson gets active and involves himself by dropping uh, Wheeler with a single shot. Jericho hits the juice effect for the win, and once this match is over, we see Jericho naming Mike Tyson to the Inner Circle. Yeah, pretty cool. It was a pretty cool segment there. Um, it had a little bit of that, you know, Austin, Shawn Michaels feeling from back in the day, um, only just turned up a little bit because of the factions. Um, you kind of knew that Tyson was going to call it down the middle. Uh, that's usually what the faces, you know, the, the face quote enforcers do, unless, of course, your name is Edge. But, um, <laughs> you know, just had to throw that little jab in there a little bit. You but, think you know him. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. So, but Tyson, you kind of knew, um, being that he's not in the wrestling business, he's, you know, he's, he's an out, not an outsider anymore, but he's a fan, um, sparingly used, which I love Mike Tyson. He's one, he's my favorite boxer. Um, had the opportunity to meet him. He's just a huge wrestling fan. He's, he's an awesome guy to, 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 uh, hang out with. So I was excited to see it. I was, I was actually kind of glad cause I was worried thinking like, man, you know, with the promo earlier in the night with MJF trying to buy Tyson off and Tyson rips up the check and eats it and spits it in MJF's face. My, my whole time, like watching the match, I'm thinking, okay, is this a heel turn? <laughs> is he going to beat up, you know, Jer- is he going to turn on Jericho cost him the, lo- you know, cost him the win. Um, but fortunately he didn't. Cause I, I, not that I would be upset if Tyson did it. Cause I would think it'd be pretty awesome to be honest, but, uh, part of me just wants Tyson to be face. You know what I mean? Just absolutely call it down the middle. If people are trying to cheat like Jericho with the chair and, you know, like we talked about, 
call it down the middle, knock a guy out if you have to, and then move on about your day. I thought it was a pretty good segment. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting uh, watching the wrestling Twitter sphere go. Uh, Jericho did a great job promoting this throughout the press. He had quotes about, uh, you know, I don't know what Tyson's going to do. He's a loose cannon. He might knock me out. Just all kinds of speculation, leaving you wonder, what is Mike Tyson actually going to do tonight? And the other thing that really surprised me with Tyson, I'm not a huge boxing guy. I don't really keep up on it. But man, when he peeled that shirt off at the end, Tyson got himself back into great shape. There was a period there where he was looking a little bit doughy around the edges. But uh, my God, he looked like he could just take anybody on and win. Yeah. Um. So just to take a little step, you know, piggyback off that a little bit. Uh, around Thanksgiving, he had that um, Legends Only, his company, that Legends Only um, fight that he promoted where he fought Roy, Roy Jones Jr., um, I think Logan Paul was on that card, and he knocked out um, he knocked out the basketball player that he beat up in his second match. But anyway, Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. Uh, went to a, quote, draw. It was an exhibition-type thing. But Tyson looked fantastic. There's no reason why Tyson shouldn't have won. He was faster. He was quicker. Um, and Roy Jones Jr., who's been out of the game, uh, I guess, I don't know what the terminology is, oh, a couple of years, I don't know. He, he's been out of the game in a shorter period of time than Tyson has, but Tyson outworked him should have won the match. And he was Tyson just looked like ready. Like if you get a chance, go on Tyson's Instagram from like last year where you see like him training for this Roy Jones fight. I mean, he looked like he was almost back in his prime. That's awesome to hear. And, uh, you know, I know he's gone through a lot of personal struggles and battles and, uh, to see somebody come out on the other side looking as great as he does and in as good of a headspace as he is, man, I'm I'm very happy to hear that from Mike Tyson. One thing too about about Tyson, real quick in that promo with MJF, uh, MJF calls him out on his tattoo on his face, and he's like, you know, you just want to be on the right side of history. You don't really want to make any mistakes. And MJF is like, I can see you already have one on the side of your face there. And now I, I know that Tyson's a professional. He knows that this, you know, is kind of um, you know, kayfabe a little bit, a little scripted. So he's sure. not gonna he's not gonna knock out MJF, but I mean, even still, I'd be really hesitant to take a jab, you know, uh, inadvertently a jab at Tyson's tattoo or his face or anything like that, because just because he is a loose cannon. So MJF has some balls doing that. Kudos to him for, you know, showing the Kahuna's to go ahead and just call out Tyson for his weak tattoo. Yeah, absolutely. MJF is is just a lot more brave than any of us could ever be. And, uh, you know, the thing is, unfortunately, they can't all be winners in the big show here. So I'm going to start off with some of my bottom three, and then I'm going to leave it uh, to go with my or go home with my final top highlight, uh, because I always like to go on a a positive note. So for the bottom three, um, I'm going to start off with that Team Taz promo before Christian Cage got into the ring, uh, where it was Team Taz standing in the back. I just, I don't know what it was. It just with uh, it just seemed really disjointed and out of place with Taz basically telling uh, Starks and Cage that they're combustible. They should stay backstage. Let's not get you involved in this. And maybe it was Ricky Starks overacting, but it just seemed a little corny to me. Uh, The saving grace of this was actually Christian Cage 
calling out Team Taz and saying they are a dumpster fire. That actually made me uh, laugh pretty loudly. So to hear that, I'm not the only one that thinks that Team Taz is a dumpster fire. Kind of makes me feel a little better about myself. <laughs> well, it was the first off the the promo that that Christian cut in the ring on Taz and his height, um, talking about uh, you know being on the third step on the stage was hilarious. And then of oh, course yeah. Taz being quick witted, saying if I had stood on my wallet, I'd be ten feet ten feet higher than you. And then Christian comes back again with, yeah, that bingo hall money. And I'm like, oh, my God, like that was that almost looked like a shoot. But um, I thought the, the the exchange was pretty cool. I, I, I really like Powerhouse Hobbs. I think he's a great wrestler. I, I really like him with Taz um, because he was kind of floundering around a little bit. He tagged with Mox a little bit early on. But when he jumped with with Taz, I thought, OK, Taz can kind of mold him, be that mouthpiece. And I know we talked a little like a lot last night about mouthpieces. But I feel like Taz would be a great mouthpiece for for Hobbs, and he's already a great mouthpiece for for Brian Cage. Ricky Starks is a good talker himself, so I feel like that's kind of why there's a little bit of a quote dumpster fire going on because there's obviously some dissension between Starks and and Brian Cage. But you got to figure at some point if they're going to start off with Team Taz going against Christian. I mean, I'm just throwing this out there. Does do we see Cage versus Cage? You know, no relation. Do we see Brian Cage <laughs> versus Christian Cage for the FTW title? Maybe that's you know. Maybe Make it a, a cage good... match. Yeah, you, you, exactly. Cage right? on Tri- cage in a cage. Exactly, and you know, I feel like this is a good way to kind of get Christian's feet in because you don't want him challenging Omega for the title right now. I know that that's kind of what they're leading up to. I, I don't really see Christian as you know a guy to win the title. Maybe this is a good a good starting point for him. But I, I don't um, I, I don't really see him uh, being the, quote, top guy in AEW. And even if he does get the belt, it's not going to be for very long. And for or me, I don't want soon. And for me, I just don't want to see them use Christian to sort of emulate and copy what Edge was doing. Edge went right up to the sh- uh, to the hot speed and uh, took on Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania and. I just don't think Christian's at that level yet. Edge at least had that Royal Rumble match under his belt where he won that. Uh, Christian's just not there. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's a good statement. But at the same time, like you can't just pawn off Christian as a jobber either. So, I mean, you know, with, with you kind of alluded to it um, with the, all the different factions and stuff. I think this is a good opportunity for them to, you know, maybe Christian beats Will Hobbs. Uh, maybe Christian beats Starks. Um, who knows, maybe he beats Brian Cage. You know, that's a pretty good uh, getting him on a roll. If you can figure it out where Team Taz doesn't lose face unless you're kicking out some of the guys, um, mm-hmm. then I, th- I think it's a good move. But they got to be careful with that because there's a lot of young guys on Team Taz that are really talented. Absolutely. And now for my uh, second bottom here is I hate to keep going back to this well week by week. But there's just something with Jade Cargill that does not click with me. This match against Red Velvet, she picks up a win pretty quickly after a little bit of back and forth. But everything Jade Cargill does just seems kind of robotic. And uh, like she's playing wrestler, not that she is a wrestler. 
Yeah, I agree with that, actually. Um, I, I really prefer Red Velvet, actually, over Jade Cargill. And it's not that Jade isn't, you know, talented, um, but you're, you're right. There's something off about her. The one cool thing she did do, though, was the fall away slam into the second row. I thought that was a pretty cool move. Um, but I do I do like Red Velvet better um, than, than, than Jade Cargill. And I, I can't put my finger on it yet, what I don't like about her. I like her confidence. She's pretty decent on the mic. Um, meaning, you know, uh, Cargill, but you're right. Something's just off on her. Yeah, it just it just comes off very, very scripted, very, very robotic. If you would throw one wrench into her system, it feels like she would just sort of stall out like a uh, factory line. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then this one hurts to say is a low, and it's only a low because I was hungry for a lot more. The debut of Anthony Agogo with the factory taking on Cole Carter, uh, it ended with literally just one punch to the gut from Anthony Agogo dropping Cole Carter like a sack of potatoes. Uh, I'm really excited to see Anthony Agogo have a shot at this. I want to see him do more. I want to see everything he can handle. But, uh, you know, if you want to build him off as dominant, I guess this is a way to do it. But I do want to see more out of him. And hopefully in the coming weeks, we do get to see more Anthony Agogo uh, doing his thing. Yeah, I think we will. Um, Cole Carter, um, for those that don't know, he's an IWC alum. Of course, IWC is a pretty big promotion here in Pittsburgh. Um, probably the top independent uh, promotion I, in Pittsburgh. Absolutely. I was going to get into that next, but go ahead. So, but, you know, so he's, um, and there's actually, uh, Andrew Palace was down there too. Um, there's a couple other IWC guys, obviously besides Britt Baker and, and Wardlow, but, uh, yeah, I was kind of shocked at that. Um, but I guess, like you said, they want to make him, you know, in, into a, a formidable player and obviously Q, QT Marshall with his other faction. I mean, I feel, I feel like there's like 27 factions right now, um, that they gotta, they gotta get these guys promoted and get them looking tougher. So I guess. It makes sense why it's a quick win against Cole Carter, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a fan. Like I, I like several factions, but I don't like you know the 27 that they seem to have. Um, it seems like everybody's in a faction unless you're like a jobber. Um, yeah, it, 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 that part doesn't make sense to me. I mean, the factions are a good way just to keep people strong and together, and you can get a lot of people on TV really easily, uh, even if they're not in action. I think it's it's kind of nice since we look over at the WWE and we rarely, if ever, see a faction that doesn't implode within a month. Uh, so it is good to see groups like the Dark Order, like the Elite, uh, and now, like the factory and the nightmare family sticking together and doing their thing, uh, I think it's just sort of a refreshing take. And maybe somewhere down the line, we do get to see some kind of faction warfare. Uh, I think it could be really interesting and a way to get a lot of the roster involved really quickly in a storyline. Yeah, I, that's a good point. I, I do like that aspect of it. If there's a, I mean, more so than just the pinnacle and and the inner circle. Absolutely. And the other two that have actually debuted on uh, AEW Dark or AEW Elevation from IWC is Bill Collier. He took on John Moxley and Ray Lynn has taken on quite a few people, uh, including Tay Conti. So uh, IWC having a very, very big presence down in AEW. I just keep looking at their roster and wonder, hey, guys, who's next? 
Yeah, see, I, I'm surprised that they haven't had Facade come down and, and do some things for them. Uh, I think Facade's very talented. I'm, I'm actually personal friends with Facade, too. So I'm not just, you know, I, I, I'm a little biased, but I'm not saying that because I'm friends with Facade. I, I actually feel like he's a very talented kid, and he could, he could hold his own against any of the high flyers in AEW. Absolutely. Uh, when the new, or I believe it's Northeast Wrestling was in Monroeville, uh, Facade was on that match and, or on that card, and so was Darby Allen, and they spent a good bit of time talking. So uh, maybe that's something. Maybe it's not. Uh, maybe it's just friendly uh, banter between two coworkers. But uh, I guess we'll see, and uh, hopefully we do see the Neon Ninja doing his thing in places other than just IWC and his occasional Ring of Honor uh, appearance. Yeah, agreed. Agreed with that. Great. So let's get back into uh, wrapping this thing up, and we're going to hit my uh, top three, the last one I have. Uh, we've got Darby Allen versus Big Money Matt in a TNT title match, Falls Count Anywhere. This is another one that was just bedlam. Hardy comes out swinging, just pounding Darby over and over again with the chair. Uh, you know, this is this went on for a good bit of the match. Uh, his uh, Darby's back gets opened up pretty early. Hardy tries for the twist of fate with Allen's head in the chair, but it's eventually reversed. Sooner or later, Hardy does hit this spot on him, though. But uh, before that happens, the rest of the Hardy office group comes out and attacks Allen. The Dark Order comes out to spend them off. Uh, Sting gets involved. Then we get Lance Archer involved. There's just a lot going on. Scorpio Sky and All Ego Ethan Page get involved. It was really kind of a uh, a little bit of mayhem, and it was kind of nice to see, I think, after uh, so many organized matches and things going on over the last week with WrestleMania and TakeOver, just to see a good old system breakdown. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Um, I, I kind of figured that the Hardy family office would come out, you know, same with Sting and the Dark Order and everybody else that, that, that followed suit. Um, Cal- Excalibur even said though it was it was hard to follow, and at times it kind of was. Maybe that was the way that the camera angles that they were using. One one um, part that was kind of cool, but it was uh, it was kind of a low for me, was I didn't like the fighting in Gorilla. Um, I thought it was cool that they knocked over the table, uh, and um, and the, the the equipment that Tony Khan and B.J. Whitmer were using to kind of monitor in Gorilla, but there was not a lot of lighting. You know, Matt Hardy hit the hit the nice like leg drop off the. Uh, ladder onto the table but you couldn't even see the refs count and you had to just kind of rely on Excalibur saying oh he kicked out at two um, yeah the cool part though and I think it made up for it was the coffin drop from like 15 20 feet whatever it was that JR said onto the broadcast table I mean that was a little bit of a distance from from the angle that I saw and he landed it perfectly um I was actually kind of worried because he looked back and I'm thinking oh my god there ain't no way he's gonna bounce back but he didn't overshoot it or nothing. I mean, he was spot on right to not the not pun, no, not in, or pun not intended, but he hit the money shot <laughs> right. Absolutely. On. I mean, yeah. it was it was spot on. And I, I was like, wow, OK, you, that made up for for what I thought was was a, a, a blunder in the back. Absolutely. Darby Allen is a very, very special talent. He seemingly can do anything, take anything and come out looking like a million bucks. Uh, you know, it just was proof tonight that, you know, he could go through all of this, still come out, and it was believable that he came out with that title raised above his head. 
yeah, it's going to take a special person, I think, to really dethrone him uh, as the TNT champion or the the network's champion, as they as they call it. Um, it's it's going to take somebody special to, to knock him off. Um, do just, you just think be, they have that person? Uh, I think I think they do if they push the right you know if they push the right person. Um, I I really do like Lance Archer. I don't know why he just is you know asphyxiated or not i'm sorry not asphyxiated uh fascinated i'm sorry with (laughs) (laughs) totally different thing totally i'm not sure why he's fascinated with tnt title um and mess and interrupting sting um last couple weeks that's what he's been doing um i I don't i don't quite understand that part of it maybe he's the guy i'm i'm a big lance archer fan i've always liked him even in when he was in wwe i thought they i thought they really dropped the ball with him but he kind of really came into his own in japan um, and he, I feel like this is his most polished character that he's had. And I, I maybe it's him. Um, maybe if you don't want to give Christian the title, you know, the AEW world title, you maybe you put him in the eight in the TNT title picture. Um, me, sure. perso- me personally, um, I, I would like to see somebody like Will Hobbs get it, um, or somebody like Penta. If they're not gonna, if Penta's not gonna challenge for the tag titles, um, somebody like that. If I don't know if Penta is the is the right guy either, but if you're going to, you know, have a star power um, wrestler take the belt off of him, maybe it's Christian. Maybe, maybe Darby, maybe Darby turns heel and Sting takes the belt, you know, for a quick run. I, I don't know. I mean, they could really do anything um, with that title because it's it, it it's kind of like a cross between. Um, it's kind of like the cross between the Intercontinental slash US and, and really the X Division. It, it's kind of a fun title, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that, honestly, there's not going to be much more uh, that Darby can do if he keeps up at this pace. He's going to have to constantly, constantly, constantly reinvent and find new ways to just wow us. I mean, this guy is moving at a pace that is rocket speed and unprecedented in any division across any organization. Yeah, that's a good point. It might be, who knows, it might be somebody that we're not thinking of that's on the ro- that's not on the roster to beat him. It's, Absolutely. It's very, it's very possible. I mean, uh, who knows, maybe Andrade might might make a move because you figure Brody Lee came right in. You know, he was there for a little bit, but then, you know, first few matches or so, he challenged, you know, Cody and took the belt. So um, anything like that, I, I could see happening. Absolutely. To me, Brody was the ultimate TNT champion. I think that his run was fantastic. And, you know, I wish he were still here to be going after that title again. But uh, are there any other things that uh, you wanted to point out as a high spot or a low spot on this uh, card? Uh, Not really. I mean, it's just I really thought that they dropped the ball with the, the Matt Hardy, you know, jumping off the ladder maybe it would have looked scripted if they had, you know, lights just right there in, in gorilla, but it just was too dark for me. I didn't, I didn't really like that aspect of it. Absolutely. Uh, so with that being said, let's hop into some news. Uh, Eva Lise is apparently no longer with AEW and she's causing quite a stir on the internet. Eva Lise says she's been let go after speaking her mind about not being used. She says that she was mistreated by an AEW coach and that Thunder Rosa had been slandering her throughout her time with AEW. Uh, it's kind of a, a sticky, gross situation if that's the case. Uh, you know, what's your take on that? 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of interesting to hear. I mean, this is not the first time that they've had a disgruntled um, female wrestler um, leave the company. Um, that's, I don't know, that's kind of concerning. Um, but, you know, I've always kind of heard that Ivelisse had a little bit of an attitude as well, but maybe that's not true. I don't know. Maybe I don't want to speak out of turn. I've obviously never never met her or interacted with her in a professional setting or anything like that, so I can't really comment. But and it's pure sure. speculation. But I mean, it's 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 hard to um, it's hard to fathom that she's going to come out and announce that if she's the one that's at fault. Um, I don't know. It's Absolutely. it's kind of it's a sticky situation. And there's no doubt about that. Yeah, and uh, is her partner? Do you know if Diamante is still Correct. there? Is- Yep, she she had um they they she I think she wrestled the other night. Um she took the loss. I forget who she wrestled, but but she she's still a part of AEW. So it maybe was just maybe they just let Eva Lee go because you know, maybe they didn't like her attitude. Maybe if Thunder Rosa was really, you know, throwing her under the bus, maybe they believed her. But Diamante is still on the card, so or at least is still still signed to my knowledge. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes, especially if we do see these conflicts of uh, not egos, but definitely personalities with this forbidden door being open, where we might not have seen a Thunder Rosa Ivelisse clash at any point uh, if it weren't for that door being open. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point. Yeah, so uh, the last of the news is we have some matches already announced for next Wednesday. We got Tay Conti finally getting a shot at that women's championship against Hikaru Shida. Ricky Starks is taking on Hangman Page. We're going to get to see Christian Cage going against Powerhouse Will Hobbs. And we're going to see Trent of the Best Friends taking on Penta. Uh, which one of these matches are you looking forward to the most? Uh, I'm actually kind of interested in the Tay Conti um, Shida match. Um I I'm kind of perplexed that they're tagging and they're being so friendly and and all this and that. But um, I don't know. Do, do you think do you think Ty's got a chance to really win the title? I think she's a little too green, and I'm not just talking about the color of her gear week to week. Uh, I think that she's got some at, some growing to do in this company. I think that was one of her issues in WWE when she was with NXT is she didn't really have the chance to grow there. Uh, you know, even though she's had the chance to grow with AEW, I'm just not sure if she's where she needs to be. But, hey, it could be a fun match. I'm really looking forward to it. We don't see Sheeta that much, which is a damn shame since she's a champion. Uh, I would like to see somebody take that title off of her that's going to be a fighting champion. Yeah, I, to me, I feel like, I mean, I like Ty Conte. I think she's I think she's good. But like you said, I think she's kind of green a little bit. Um, It's, it's shocking that they you know, had her beat Nyla Rose, didn't they? Didn't they? A couple weeks ago. And, and I was, I was, I mean, I was glad for that. That was pretty cool. But, yeah. um, I feel like they need to center, um, the division around Britt Baker. She, Britt Baker is not, um, she's not perfect in the ring yet, but she's great on the mic. I think she's their top female athlete, um, when it comes to just being well-rounded. And, uh, not saying this because I'm homerish. I don't mean that like that, but I feel like she's she's their best. Uh, I feel like she's their best female wrestler. She really is. Absolutely, and that brings me back to actually a session with Britt Baker today on uh, Dynamite. 
she was updating the wins and losses. She is currently ranked number three, is seven and one. She was behind Red Velvet, who was, I believe, uh, five and one. And five, so and, five and oh, five, five and oh, and oh, oh in geez. singles, in singles, in singles, because she in lost singles, right? Because her and Cody lost to Jade and Shaq. Yeah, so she was actually saying that because of that loss uh, that Red Velvet suffered earlier, maybe she should just take her shot up and go higher in the rankings, making Brit number two. I seem to agree with uh, the good doctor. I'm hoping that, you know, this is sort of a, a really interesting way to build her up. They have her just winning and winning on the AEW Dark and the Elevation, so... You know, maybe that's how she's going to build her case to get that title shot. That's true, and especially if if Ty Conte loses next week and she drops to what I guess ten and three. Um, if Britt moves up to second with Vel- uh, Red Velvet's loss tonight, and then Ty loses next week, Britt's your number one contender, and maybe they fight at the pay per view. I I think that would be a great plan, and. Uh, it's going to be interesting also with uh, Ricky Starks and Hangman Page. Uh, you know, Hangman Page is the number one contender right now. Let's see how that affects the uh, the rankings as well. Yeah, Starks has been on a roll. Um, I think Starks is a really good wrestler. Um, but Page, like you said, is the number one contender. I doubt that, that um, the only way that Page would lose is if there's a screw job. If something happens or... Dark Order gets involved and, you know, there's a mishap or something like that. But um, I'm looking forward to it. These are two young, great wrestlers uh, that can really go. I expect a lot of hard hitting and fast pace. Absolutely. Well, that brings us to the end of the war zone for the night. Unless there's anything you would like to add, Sobes. No, I'm good. I'm good. Great show. Absolutely. In that case, put yourself over. Tell the people where they can find you. Twitter is just an SOB and that's J U S T underscore a N underscore S O B. And you can also follow steel nation mag at steel nation mag. Excellent. And you can follow our co-host in his absence at D Miller games. You can find me uh, as the only verified member of the Warzone wrestling podcast at Pedersen reports, which is P D E-R-S-E-N reports. And why don't you follow this podcast at Warzone Pod on the Twitter machine. You can also find us under Warzone Wrestling Podcast on Facebook. And uh, check out our podcast on any place that you get your podcast fed to you. And on Apple, please, please, please go in, rate us five stars, give us a good review. You never know. You might just hear yourself read on the podcast. We love our fans. We love our followers. Let's interact. And that's all for this week's episode of the Warzone Wrestling Podcast. We'll talk to you next Wednesday when we recap NXT. See you then.